And so I, the conceit of the podcast was that we were a bunker underneath of the highlands. Like we're behind enemy lines. Gotcha. We're, in the, we're in the shadow of Rockford Tower. We're behind gotcha. enemy lines. We're in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast. We're Highlands Bunker Podcast. That's what it is. So ladies and gentlemen, we, I think we just started. Right. This is where we are. We're in the shadow of Rockford Tower, behind enemy lines, in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast. Yes, sir. Uh, we are kicking it uh, solo. Uh, our friend KF Stomberg uh, is on a um, is on a whirlwind European holiday. Uh, he did just get back, I think, um, after midnight last night. But you know, he's got to recover. He was in Prague. He's probably partying it up. You know how he does. But I'm very excited to introduce to you today um, a guy. No worries. Uh, a guy who uh, I just met a few months ago through some mutual friends. At a, a wonderful event. Uh, he is an advocate. He's an author. He's a Wilmington native. Uh, he's also uh, the author of the book we're going to discuss in detail tonight, 101 Things You Should Know About Jail, Timeless Thomas Swan, uh, a.k.a. Big DZ. Ah, thank you very much, Rob. Uh, thank you for having me uh, foremost right here on HB. P. HBP. That's, that's right. right. And uh, yeah, it's always a, it's a pleasure uh, when I'm in your presence anyway. Uh, yeah, so I, first, I, I'd like to say ho- hello to your audience, uh, your listening audience, and I hope everybody's doing good, and I'm doing good. And I'm actually just ready to get started and see what we got going on here today. Yeah. Uh, I know you, I, I'm, I'm excited um, after you get your second knee replaced, you can come and climb those stairs. Like, oh, you can sprint, you can do some wind sprints. True. true. And I know you're on, the, you're sort of in the middle of a big recovery. And so I wanted to thank you for, uh, for braving the staircase and coming up to the, to the studio. Well, I like to think I'm doing better than some, just worse than others. <laughs> so, um, we always like to start, especially with anybody who's local and doing like local grassroots stuff. Um, a little bit about your background. Um, where'd you grow up? What was it like? Um, you know, how, how was your sort of your childhood and, and your, your schooling and, and um, sort of w- where did that lead you? What happened? Well, I got a little, uh, a slightly different story from my peers. I did grow up in the inner city of uh, Wilmington. It was an impoverished area. However, I was uh, fortunate uh, to have both parents in the home. I had a mom and a dad. And uh, they actually worked hard and put me through Catholic school. So I did get some very good schooling, uh, one through eight. I went to Christ Star King. And uh, I even tried my hand at St. Mark's, St. Mark's High. Excellent, Sorry. excellent schools. Yeah, I, I went to St. Mark's too. And Christ Star King used to whip our ass in CYO basketball on a, yeah, yeah, on a we, regular. regular we, had, we, had a, we had a good, uh, uh, we had a good uh, sports uh, situation going on over there, although I didn't play. Um, actually, I, I, I did wrestle, but that's another story. Okay, so uh, after uh, ninth grade, Ninth grade, my ninth grade year at St. Mark's High, I wanted to venture out a little bit. I wanted to go to public school with my friends. You know, that, that's, you know, the, the, the age of growing pains. You know what I mean? I'm going through some stuff, uh, just average teenage stuff. So I just wanted to be, I guess, I wanted to be a good follower. I hadn't uh, came into my leadership knowledge yet or my real knowledge of who I was and what I wanted to do in life. So I went to public school. I went to Concord High. And when I got to public school, I was very disappointed because in the 10th grade here at the public school, it was on the level of what they had taught me in the 6th grade at Catholic school. So now I was like, whoa, this thing is way behind. So uh, this is a young time this time. I, have, I, I hadn't even involved, excuse me, I haven't even involved, evolved into timeless yet. Uh, but I was seeing that it was something wrong with the picture. Something's wrong with the picture. So... I ended up dropping out, Rob. Uh, I let it go. So I took a different path. Tenth grade. Tenth grade, yeah, tenth grade dropout. I took a different path, uh, which ultimately led me to, uh, I'm going to say, for lack of a better word, vicious street life. Vicious street life, yeah. And uh, from there, uh, I guess I I became a statistic, and uh, 
the good the good thing about those experiences, I wouldn't take them back because it molded me into the leader I am today. From there, of course, I made a couple mistakes. I ended up in a prison. Uh, I didn't learn the first time around. I ended up going back. I didn't even learn the second time around. But by the third time around, I said, you know what? They say for me, I got to get my life together. And, uh, you know, along the way, I made some kids and this and that and the other. And that's, that's, when I turned, that's when I turned into an adult, an adult. And, 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 and being in the system, being in the criminal justice system and the prison system and getting shipped all around the country and this and that and the other, I got to meet some very interesting people, some leaders. And in a land that's survival of the fittest, big fish eat little fish, that ecosystem, you're either going to be a leader or a follower. So I ended up becoming a dynamic leader. I just had to now find my niche in the world. So I'm one of the ones that turned a negative into a positive. So I took all my strengths and turned them into positivity uh, through my slight Catholic background. I was able to communicate and articulate just enough to get in there and speak to the right people. I didn't always know the right things, but I was always had that door open that I can get in and at least pay attention and try to learn some stuff. You could say I was an excellent intern. Uh, a cute student, a trained observer. Not just an observer, but a trained observer. Yeah, you talk about that in the book, which is interesting, too. That's one of the, like, uh, it's a theme through the, all of the survival stuff is yeah. Yeah. Um, at one point you talk about, you know, being able to use your mind and not, you know, there are ways to make sure that you protect yourself. Different, There's different ways. Yeah. But that's one of them. And I find it fascinating because I did, I also went to Catholic school, CYO and all of that stuff. And just, you know, that that path to, you know, poor decisions and hanging out with your buddies, like, when you have both of your parents, I mean, what what, what was what was that like? Like, you were just like, I, I would rather, I have all this time on my hands, school now, I got to be at the school with my friends, but it was sort of behind, it wasn't really challenging, so now I can go and just do the shit I want to do. Well, I, I had both of my parents in the home um, from the outside looking in. My father was a hardworking man, so he was never just always there. However, he was always supportive. I always did get the bike and the sweater at Christmas or something. You know what I mean? He, he, he never, I never missed a meal. When it rained, my head never got wet. But, you know, he had to play his part in his life, uh, and he did support me and my mom until, unfortunately, my mother died. How old were you in that? Uh, I was about 20. Okay. I was about 20, which, which, would, which would appear to be... Well, okay, you're 20 now, your mom died. But what I forgot to tell you was my only brother had gotten killed as well. He got killed when I was 12. And, uh, yeah, he he had went to... Your older brother. My older brother, yeah. He went to the Army. He went to Korea. And then uh, the sergeant came to the house one day, knock, 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 and then bought the old American flag there. And that was that. Oh, he was killed in the Korean War. He wasn't in the Korean War, but he was over in Korea. Oh, he was stationed in Korea. He was stationed in Korea. Okay. Yep. So, so it wasn't combat, but it was some sort of you know, on the job. Whatever know, happened. Whatever they and were and I, I was 12 years old. I was very young. Uh, I didn't really know how to process that. I didn't even really know how to process any emotions, but definitely not that. <clears throat> and so that was real big on my mom and everything. She just died a few years later. And, uh, yeah, so that from there I had to really step up. So anyway, yeah, move right along. I'm not looking for a pity party. It's just part of my story. No, I, and, and again, I, I'm not even, uh, yeah, that's not the, the point. The thing that's interesting to me is not that. It's just, as I said, you, you look in some of the things that happened to you, sort of as you said, before you dropped out and before that turn, however that happened resonated with you later on and you applied that you 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 sorted that out for yourself and were able to, to sort of leverage that to get through you know a well let's get into it let's get into it because right? i i the, the first thing i wanted to say is that it, it was interesting number one because everybody who hasn't been in the inside of a prison i've been in the inside of a jail cell and, and you talk about that process yeah for sort of minor stuff so sure. overnight whatever but not not like this, because what this is, in, in a way that I don't think anything else I've ever uh, sort of seen in the, in, the, in the media does, is very simply just say, this is how it is. It's a different, and, and what I took from it is, and you say it in the very end of the book too, this is 
people living together in a community, but the the circumstances are completely foreign to anybody who hasn't been in that community. That's what I, that was the the first thing I took <coughs> from it is you are now in a situation, and we'll take out sort of what you what you did or didn't. We can talk about that too, but we could take all that out. You are in a in a situation where you're going to have to live in a completely foreign situation where everything's different the way you interact with people are different all of that stuff and and so I, I found that part of it very interesting <laughs> excuse me if we're going to get into the book would you mind if i just introduce it sure go ahead so yeah i'm timeless thomas the author of 101 things you should know about jail with a bonus chapter of 50 questions that you should ask anyone returning from prison now the bonus chapter alone is worth the price of the book so uh, the average newsy person doesn't even ask 20 questions. This is 50 whole questions, and they're very relevant because somebody's going to come home from prison and date your daughter, my daughter, your niece, my niece, yada, yada, yada. Somebody's going to come home from prison and be behind you in that Walmart line. Somebody's going to come home from prison and have road rage at the red light, and you kind of need to know what's the mentality. So the, this is all the reasons why people should get the book. Every household should have the book, but here's another reason. Everybody is one mistake. One misunderstanding, one false accusal, one lie, one cop having a bad day from becoming not just in jail, not just to get locked up, but your very first cellmate could have 17 years in all push-ups. Now, that changes the dynamic. That changes the dynamic. You just went from I was supposed to be home at dinner with the wife and kids to now I'm caged with a savage beast all over a misunderstanding. But it doesn't matter because you're in there with the rest of the, the people that got extracted from society for, like you say, for whatever their reasons were. And, you know, so, yeah, so I, 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 it's not that I try to sell the book. The book is important to have. And just to bring me up to the present, because I know I spoke about the trauma, but I like to keep the past behind me. The memories are too traumatic. So I keep them behind me. I look to the to my imagination. I look to the future. I'm a visionary. I just can't recently within the last uh, three weeks ago, actually, I was at uh, Widener. Shout out to Widener uh, College uh, Law School. I was out there attending a criminal justice conference uh, with the ACLU. I am a smart justice ambassador. Um, also, just a week and a half ago, I was with uh, Professor Kulpchek out in the University of Delaware facilitating uh, one of his criminal justice classes with my book. So what I felt was... Uh, a greatness. I felt honored to share my bulk of knowledge with the children that signed up to run the new school. These are the new wave millennials that are going to revolutionize the system. And it was an honor for me to take my, my bulk of experience. They called me the lived experience. They coined me as the lived experience. So I'm feeling great now with the give back. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm feeling great with the give back. So it's really not about the money no more. When I first wrote the book, it was like, you know, it's a great book. Here, if I can tell you why I wrote the book, ask me why I wrote the book, Rob. Well, here's what here's what I, this is the way I'm going to frame the question. You take it anywhere, wherever you want. Okay. Because, really, it to me, the, the thing that was poignant to me was that you took a really what could have been like a diary or a memoir and say this happened today, this happened today, this happened, and sort of explain all of this stuff through your experiences but what you did was you took your experiences and organized them uh in a way that is uh is it's quite different from that and i think it's a little more powerful because you've you're able to sort of talk about it in the in the so you're, you're talking to the reader you're saying this is what would happen to you this is and, and again not just um not just physical stuff Spiritual stuff, emotional, emotional yeah. stuff, yes sir, mental stuff, yes sir. Your relationship to the labor you might have to do—that's tantamount, that's paramount to, uh, excuse me, tantamount to slavery. Sure. Uh, like the the thing, like the things you're going to have to interact with, which are totally foreign yeah. to anybody. It reminded me of like a like a war chronicle, like somebody being in a situation that's not not uh, what anybody's used to. Not civilized. Correct. Yes, yeah. Yes. Not civilian life, and you're going to come home with some type of PTSD, and yeah. So, uh, but 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 given that given that context, what what was the motivation to not only write the book but write the book in the in the manner that you did it? Well, uh, I'll be honest with you. I originally wrote the book um, for monetary gain. 
you know, like I said, I was on my third sentence, and which I was doing. I did, actually I did uh, 13 years altogether on the installment plan. I, I did two years, and then I was goofing around a little bit. I did five years, then I was goofing around a little bit. Then I did six years, then I learned. So when I was doing my six years, I uh, I wrote the book because I said, you know what? I caught on to what jail was doing. I said, they're not trying to rehabilitate people. This is not reform. This is a racket. This is an enterprise. You know what I mean? Big corporations are buying in on this thing. I said, I'm getting the peace now. I, I done gave him a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. I missed half my son's life. He believes he grew up without a father, and I tried my best to raise him from the visitor room. That didn't work out too good. But I said, they're going to have to pay me something back. So I wrote the book. I said, well, I don't have enough money to buy a prison. I don't think they're going to let me buy stock in their commissary system. So I said, well, what I'll do, I'll write a book and it'll have to sell. There's always going to be jail. And this book says jail and it'll always sell. So that's why I originally wrote the book. I didn't care if anybody read it or learned from it or anything. I wrote it for monetary gain. Now, once it got published and people started buying it in reviews, uh, kind of like a light bulb came on in my head, like a spiritual type of thing, like a spiritual awakening. And I was like, yo, this is really helping people. So now it wasn't about the money no more. Uh, now I realize this thing is helping people. So now I, I turned it into more of a ministry. No, excuse me. I turned it into a movement. And then as it became a movement, I ended up uh, getting more great people in my corner and it turned into a ministry. And that's where I'm at right now today, Rob, with the book. It's a ministry. It's a must-have, man. Let me ask you a question about that. You can. This is, this is another interesting quote I have. This Because there's a, there's, a, there's a passage in here about mental survival. Yes, sir. And, of course, you say, uh, you know, some people find religion, or some people go back to a religion, or maybe they'll convert to something. But that's not necessarily um, what it is. And you... you you know, you really talk about, uh, you know, a, a will or a fortitude to want to um, work your stuff out. You talk about, you know, having a spirit and feeding a spirit. No religious talk, though. No. And, and I found that, again, because that, and I'll, I'll be very uh, straightforward. I, I grew up Catholic, too. Um, I rejected it and was a pretty staunch atheist, like kind of an annoying one for a long time. But then for a period of, but now while I'm while I'm still an atheist in the, in the matter of religion, I get a lot out of the idea of living for a different idea or okay. do you know what I mean? A will. You use the word will which I think is good like sure. like there's a reason to feel good, there's a reason to go on. Yes. Whatever that is, whatever you feel to your family or to your neighborhood or to everybody together or your church if it's a church or whatever it is whatever you feel for other people that's what it is and however you need to sort of connect with that that's what you need to do but you you uh, you talk about it in a very um a, a very straightforward sort of beautiful way i think maybe you could talk about that well, well, I appreciate that, Rob. Because you mentioned about like a, it developing into a ministry, and that's why I started flipping through because I, I got that well, sense of it. Well, the reality of it is uh, the key word in that sentence you just said was developing. It wasn't always that. I wasn't always this person who was this great humanitarian. You know, I'm not going to sit here and act like an angel. I've done my share of dirt, but this is my share of giving back. And this is from the, like, um, it's, it's ironic that you said, spiritual because this is what i'm doing i'm talking to spirits i don't see color i don't see sexuality i don't see uh, gender or whatever i'm talking directly to people's spirits this is spirit to spirit so what i know that it can do i know that it can save lives i know that it can educate people in the world that we live in today because these are not the days of the old these are not the days of the old. Like it or not, there's people that are walking around in today's society that are Flintstones, and me and you both know this is a Jetson world. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I the, the one thing that, um, because the book is straightforward, sort of like this is how it is, a, star, a really stark sort of example, in, and again, the way that it's organized, I think is pretty cool. Um, and because you don't, there's no there's no need to interrogate like the system. 
by explaining the system in this language and presenting it in the way that you do, you clearly say that this this is something, there's no need for this. We don't need to do, what we're trying to do, it doesn't need to be done this way. For sure. I mean, and you, like, I, I wonder what your comment is about that because, you know, I think, I mean, maybe you don't have to give it, but like, I, <clears throat> I was, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking like, this is the kind of stuff that, like, why do we do this sort of stuff? It's not for rehabilitation, as you said earlier. Um, it's not for anything um, other than a, just a system to hold people up, jam people up. Um, some people do need help. They'll never get it. You, you Clearly, you know, you sort of talk about the services that are available. And the kind, again, you do something very interesting. You, you, you talk about the people that you're going to run into, a, like an archetype of a person that you might run into. Sure. And the fact is that they haven't gotten um, the drug treatment they need. They haven't gotten the mental health treatment that they may, might need. Um, so these are the different kinds of people you're going to run into. That's sort of how you introduce that. Sure. But this is like the worst possible. We've developed the worst possible system and scenario to deal with the people that you're talking about, I think. Correct. Correct. And that's and that's where the word recidivism comes in that um, reoffend, uh, violent offender. But uh, I, I wasn't. Again, this all happened through the ministry of it. You know, I, I didn't write the book trying to change the system, you know, and even when it became a movement, I wasn't thinking about prison reform, although my publishers were saying, look, man, this is redemption. This is prison reform. It, to me, it wasn't that until lately. I just started dealing with a lot of people that are, you know, on a bigger pay scale. And they're saying, look, man, you can really help revolutionize the system with this here book. So I, I have to give all the glory, all the honor and all the praise to God for starters. And the reason why is because God picked me to do this. You know what I mean? I can articulate this book. I can you can like you say, you can read it. Me and you have nothing in common other than we're both advocates of righteousness, of justice. And you can read the book. It, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. And so I like to think of it as a Bible of jail. You know what I mean? I, I put myself up there with the greats, with the Malcolm X's, the King James's, the Martin Luther King's, other great people. You know, because I am timeless. Timeless timeless is timeless. This book is, is timeless. I wrote between me and you. I wrote that book pre-COVID. I wrote that book about 13 years ago and I just published it like two years ago. That's how timeless this information is. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's really, again, I, I'll put it to you this way. Talk to me, bro. Another thing we do is this journalism thing, because Delaware Call. So we have a website. It's, you know, we try to keep it pretty straight journalism. You know, we have sure. an editorial board. We check everything. And there's always this idea of, because everybody knows we have a uh, point of view. You okay. Know, we're partisan. Sure. We have ideas. Absolutely. And so they're going to come through. And it's always this question of, like, how do you... You know, just basically state facts, but still get the message across or still make it clear that, you know, you have a point of view or you have an agenda, which we don't walk away from. You, what you've done is you're, you're able to basically explain the process from beginning to end and really give it some, you know, some description as to the kind of people you're going to meet and, and, and the way it's organized. But you make no judgment of it at all. And so I, I don't know what your publishers are telling you, uh, but the way that it's done, um, it didn't it didn't strike me until I was all the way through it that like that's that's a that's a technique that I think you shouldn't um, you, sh you shouldn't change it just because a publisher tells you to change it because I, th I find it very interesting that that's what you did. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, I know it was effective when you gave me the callback. Yeah, you know what I mean. I said, "Wow, okay," because uh, uh, I look at you as a pretty uh decent guy you know what i mean you invited me or hanif invited me to one of your events and it was a nice thing the violins were playing and, and yeah that was nice that was carl he's not he's not here tonight that was his dad plays the cello and then the woman played the violin from, it, from it, philadelphia that was very nice it was very nice and the food was good too the caterers shout out to the caterers whoever they were yes yes brown very sugar nice. brown sugar catering here in wilmington delaware yeah so I, 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 again just to come back to the book like you're saying in the way i wrote it in the, I, I did write it for it to be visual you know, and I also purposely took the reader on a journey from the time of the arrest, arrest of the alleged offense through the back of the cop car, downtown to the precinct, the whole process. I did that on purpose so that you don't have to go to jail. 
Just read the book, and you're already doing three to five years just by reading this book. And I'm giving you, I had the audacity to give you a bonus chapter of the transition that you're going to go through with the probation and parole system. You know, I didn't, I didn't leave out anything. So in that, like, I did uh, intend to uh, deter people from going to jail, which now later on in, in the ministry of it, uh, I'm not only coined the live experience, but I'm the pre, pre-prison model now. You know, I mean, this is prevention as well, because we can. Yeah. And, okay? and, and uh, yeah. And that what's so amazing is you don't, as you said, you don't go into it saying, here's how bad it is so that you don't do whatever you're no. thinking about doing. None of that. Hmm. It's like, this is it. Yeah. That's it. How's yeah. this look to you? There you go. And that's it. There you go. No and preaching. Through that, and through yeah. that simple thing, that's where it all, it's all there. There you go. There you go. So you can make the decision, do you want to use the bathroom in front of five or ten people or 80 people, or do you just want to stay in society and do the right thing? You know, you can make the decision, do you want a, a, a killer to come take your lunch in front of everybody or what you want to do? So the good thing about choices is that's uh, the power that we have, uh, the dominion that we have over the earth. Other than that, you know, humans, we got the same thing as a horse or a pig. Other than that, with, well, let me ask you this. Power of choice. Let me ask you this. Since uh, since we're here okay. and we're talking, I'll, I'll since I I know um, obviously why you did the book the way you did, but I sometimes think and argue that because there is a systemic, large systemic aspect to it, and then you you mentioned it as well. I mean, you 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 um, you talk about how. Um, the, you know, the the Reconstruction Amendments say that you can be a slave if you're incarcerated for something. 13th Amendment, actually, yeah. Correct, and you quote that. So uh, the systemic part of it is not ignored. I don't want anybody to think that you're, like, ignoring that. But as you said, you're, like, there's more of a... Um, Reality. Like, a re- like making a choice. I'm not so sure, because of the way that the system works, that it's that everybody... I think people. I think more people get caught up in it initially, um, just wrong place, wrong time, wrong kind of person. I know, you know. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to put everything on an individual and saying, "Well, if you just would have made better choices, you wouldn't be in this mess." I don't know if that's always true, and I wonder what you think about that. Well, that's a very good point. And, of course, we couldn't just be one-dimensional and say that choices is the only reason somebody could uh, end up in that type of predicament. But what I was saying is, after reading the book, you know, then you're charged with knowing the information. So at that point, you have the power of choice. Now, prior to reading the book, again, like I say, circumstance, things, life shows up, things happen. And and like I said uh, just a few minutes back, one false accusal, one lie, one cop having a bad day, one mix-up. You know, anything can land you there. You know, like you say, wrong place at the wrong time. There's a, a, a variety of things that can get you in that situation. Uh, but after talking to you for a few minutes and I'm thinking about uh, 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 reforming the, the, the system and all of that, if I had to, to say anything to that point, it would be for more fair sentencing. That, that's what it would be because there's some people doing a lot of time and they only did a little bit of stuff. And, and, and that's not fair, you know, uh, I, and I can't cry or gripe, you know, I'm no, I can't dig Johnny Cochran back up and go get all of them and appeal. But I can say this here on your platform with hopes that bigger ears can hear it and say, you know what, let's take a look at the book. Let's take a look at this timeless guy and just see what is he talking about? Yeah, because it's important because mind you now, this kind of stuff happens, Rob. Let's say a cop, because, you know, we were all going for SB 149. We were trying to get uh, police, uh, you know, to review their records and civilian review boards. We were we were all bucking for that and trying to get Leo that. Reform, repeal the cop bill of rights. Sure. And and uh, 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 as I'm hearing, that just got booted down. So whatever. But yeah, we're still we're not going to quit, though. We're not yeah, going to quit. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to quit. But that's important because let's say Johnny, the cop, you know, locks up these people and. uh He's got all these people. Let's say he did 14 arrests, and the whole time they were all 14 bad arrests. But there's 14 humans. There's 14 fathers, 14 brothers, 14 employees, 14 employers that were inconvenienced because of Johnny the bad cop. So these kind of things um, need to be. They need that need. They need a, a microscope. Somebody needs to find find two some of these cases. Yeah, I mean, my my question again always is like. 
<clears throat> there's never any the the, the the line always is we need like community relations trust between the police and the community and all of that the only re- the only way you're going to get that is if, if there's some ref- if there's some reform to the cop bill of rights so that people feel like they have a say they have they're, they're, you, you can root that out if you say they're only bad apples give us the tools to root that out sure or else it's <laughs> or else you're lying <laughs> pretty much which I, I mean my position is that they're lying I think that's pretty clear, but obviously, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but but again, that this should be very clear. But th- this this one of the reasons we have this platform is to try to jam these informations into the into this discourse. Because um, I'll give you an example. I I talked to a retiring representative uh, in this state uh, legislature right at the beginning of COVID, and I mentioned that I think. Some amount of inmates uh, or uh, people in the prisons, in the state prisons, should be freed uh, immediately <coughs> uh, so they don't get COVID and die. How about that? <laughs> and, you, you, and this is a Democratic re- representative. He was like, I can't even believe you're bringing this up, kind of. That's the, that's the response. I it's got. taboo. And, and, and I will say I'm very proud that when I, I did have the opportunity to interview the AG and we talked about um, the prisons and prison reform, I, you know, the, the, the things that she said re- made me respond that you can only make a gulag so nice. Sure. You know, the problem is that we're stockpiling people for reasons beyond criminal justice. <clears throat> and, and, and the way that we're doing it is, 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 is torture. And that's the problem I have with it. It violates the Eighth Amendment for sure. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Since, since we're on the case, let me, let me look this up because I found it. Interesting, and I want you to comment on it. Um, of course, I can't find it now, but um, you talk about um, sort of different ways that you could go on sort of uh, cell restrictions or go into solitary confinement, go into the hole. Okay. And in a very spiritual way, um, you talk about people who you know who go in and are able to... I mean, some people are afraid of it, which I think... Makes perfect sense. I find it. I find it to be torture, probably. Okay. Um, but you you do come out a little bit inspirational and talk about people who who come out and realize they have an epiphany that they got they have to stay out of that situation, uh, or it doesn't affect them the way that I guess um, that the administrators think it would affect them. Sure. Um, all of di- all different kinds of stuff, um, and I found it really fascinating because usually the, the, when people talk about you know, being in solitary and being in the hole, they think this is torture. Um, there's probably people who are mentally ill who are going to get worse, uh, or people who are going, who are having, you know, breaks who are probably going to get maybe more violent or whatever. But, but you, you kind of paint a little bit of a different picture. Not that it's pretty, but that, um, but that there is a way. I guess it's a sort of an instant. Like, there's even if you think you're at rock bottom, maybe you're not. I guess is the well, way you put it. Well, I, I actually I remember exactly what you were talking about because I was just talking about it on my show. Um, you know, I got a show of my own. I want to talk. That's we're going to close on that too. Right, yes, right, we're going to go on that next. Yep. But uh, to your point, well, when you go to the hole, when the administration sends you to the hole. The hole is under the jail. You know, that's when they throw you under the jail. It doesn't mean literally it could be right over there in that building, but uh, that's when you're confined. 23 hours in one or sometimes 24 hours in a shower. Okay, so it's designed to crush you spiritually, mentally, socially. I mean, you're fully extracted at this point. So, uh, yeah, a few things can happen. It can crush some people or it can create it can create some phenomenal leaders their greatest qualities come out some people just sit there and play wall watch and find god i've seen people find jesus i've seen people find allah i've seen people find buddha i've seen people just find their inner self uh and and or like you say reflect on their mistakes and figure you know what I don't not only want to be in this predicament, I don't even want to be in jail at all. So, yeah, it does backfire sometimes. And when that happens, the administration has to put a little dot next to your name. They're saying, look, we tried to break this guy and he came out stronger. So you, we got to watch this guy now. He's dangerous. So, yeah, that that can happen. That can happen. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. 
Yeah, so talk about, I, of course, I was excited about uh, your show. Yes, sir. Because I got a whole rig in here and do my do my thing, do what I do. Okay. So talk a little bit about, uh, like, your show. What do you talk about? Where can people find it? Uh, all that stuff. Give the full the full thing. The full game. Okay, well, first of all, I'm Timeless Thomas. That's like a watch with no time. Timeless Thomas. Uh, uh, Thomas, like Thomas English Muffins or whatever. And uh, I'm on Facebook. You can find me right there as Timeless Thomas. You can find me on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, Timeless Thomas. Uh, and you can also find me if you're in the Wilmington area. Uh, I come on 95.3 FM WHGE, uh, which is Wilmington's only black radio. Uh, it's a black platform, but, you know, we're open to anything, but... On Saturdays, I come on. I have a show from 12 to 1. It's called Back to Greatness. But ironically, on Wednesdays, this is this is kind of parallel to what me and you are talking about. On Wednesdays, I have a program that I run from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. And it's based on the book. I read the book, so it's like an audio program. Plus, you can get the visual because I also stream it on Facebook. So if you can't catch it on the radio, you can just go to my page and catch it. If you want to even catch some episodes now, you can go to my page and, and scroll backwards a few weeks and catch it. And it's a it's a full breakdown of me reading the book and me manically expressing and articulating these scenes that me and Rob are sitting here talking about. Yeah, I, I, I we're going to link to all of the stuff. One of the things we do in the show is we can have all those links. So your YouTube channel, your Facebook page, sure. where to buy the book, all that will be linked up. Sure. Because again, I, I um, I'm I, I was I was really fascinated by the way that it was presented and what it made me like as somebody who reads a, a lot and reads a lot about this kind of stuff and reform and um, and or you know just advocacy around criminal justice and all of this. Yeah, the way that it was done really like uh, did something to me. I wonder. You, you mentioned earlier. You did. Uh, you were at the University of Delaware and did a reading and did a Q and A and all of that. Yeah. What, what kind of what kind of questions you get from like from students that are in those programs? What what sort of questions did you feel field from, like say a university student? Well, uh, if I can just remember or recall a few questions, uh, some of them asked me. Uh, you know, uh, let me see. Rob, you kind of stole me with Sorry that. Sorry about I, that. No, but it's okay because, you know, these are that's a valid question. Yeah, because uh, you, you were mentioning it because obviously I, as I'm reading the book and I'm taking notes and I'm thinking, what am I interested in? What do I, what do I want to talk about? You, you threw that on me and you, you mentioned, you're like, I actually went to this class, went to this seminar and was able to talk about the book. And I was like, I wonder what those college students asked. You know what I mean? Well... Uh, I, I might even have to get back with you on that. Yeah, one. No worries. But 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 I would like to more or less uh, tell you what I was delivering to them. Yeah, if yeah, I yeah. can flip it around and say it that yeah, way. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> Bing's though they signed up for uh, a law type of criminal justice type of thing, law enforcement type of class, whatever. Some of them are going to be law enforcement. Some of them are going to work in the court system, whatever, probation, whatever. So what I did was I explained to them the humanitarian side, that you're going to be dealing with human beings and not to base, uh, don't pass judgment based on somebody's file. Because let's say I, get, I do a crime, let's just say, uh, scenario, me and my buddy robbed the store, we, we, we jump into a vehicle, run eight red lights, the cops giving chase, and we crash the car. Now, that's all that happened. But on paper, it sounds like two wild animal monsters. They drove, they robbed the store, recklessly drove up the block. Right? So now once you read that report before you either sentence me or you're the cop that wrote it up or whatever, once you read that report, that's all you know about me. So when I come in the courtroom, you're basing it off the worst thing I've done. And I explained to them, like, what if somebody wrote the worst thing you ever did and just tried to judge all of you based on that? So I let them know they're still humans. This is still somebody's father. This is a guy who made a mistake or even made a bad choice, but still uh, judge him by that. And I also told them for the ones that are going to become officers, allow the system to either work, allow the criminal justice system or the criminal injustice system to work. Don't kill somebody in the street because now you're just violating Fifth Amendment altogether. You're just stopping due process. You're just saying, hey, look, I'm sending you to the death penalty and I'm shooting you in your car. So don't, you know, do that. 
And I and I kind of explained that to them. You know, what I mean, they're still human beings. They're already going to get go through enough stuff when they get on the inside. And uh, some of their questions were similar to yours. They really wanted to know, well, did it happen? Do you really have to? Do you? Does that really? And you know, it was so more it was of that. Like, it, so it was it was students who are going into criminal justice or sociology or some kind of like social work or some court, you know, that kind of stuff. And so they're they're actually being trained to then to do that stuff. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I was wondering whether like. You know, there are, we had a, a guest uh, about a month ago, two months ago, uh, a realtor from the beach, older guy. He was a union organizer, um, but he uh, is an alcoholic and he had a, ran into a lot of problems. And um, after a series of problems, he went, he went inside and talked about his time inside. And, and it was funny because he sort of talked about a lot of the stuff that you did, not as um, explicitly, but just like what's used for money. Like right. what... How do I, like, what does it mean to do a favor for somebody? Oh boy. Because what it means to do a favor for some for your neighbor, like, my neighbor over here is sometimes out of town, and so this week she texts me and she said, could you take my bins out to the curb for the recycling and the trash on the right days when you take yours out? Sure. And so I did that. And that means something like in regular life. <laughs> yeah, but doing in a society. favor, yeah, th- th- that doing any kind of favor doesn't mean the same thing. At you all, know, that kind of yeah, stuff. those yeah, all the rules change, yeah. <laughs> completely change. Yeah, you're in a different world for sure. Yeah, and 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 I think, I think, I, I mean, I don't know. I think some people are shocked by it. I think some people, uh, again, I, I took some notes earlier because most people's. Um, ideas are shaped by just like media, and yeah. so they think it's like scared straight was a big thing back in the eighties, like yeah. a, like that thing. And there's like uh, the TV show Oz. You know, the people don't they don't get the right they don't sort of um, they're not able to wrap their heads around it. I think that's part of it too is that it's supposed to be so scary you don't know about it. Like that's sort of like one of the points. I find that a little, um, I don't know, it just really. Um... Can, can I make one more point, Rob? Of course. We're, while we're on that. We can make as that. many, you can make three if you want. Well, here, here's another reason why I believe that the system needs to be revamped and reformed and revolutionized because of this right here. Okay, so let's say Johnny the criminal, right? He does a crime, whatever it might be. Let's say the judge gives him, let's say he's about 19, 20 years old, maybe even 21. The judge gives him 10 years, let's just say, which was in the guidelines. He was maybe supposed to get from zero to 10. The judge just smacked him, gave him all 10, let's say. So now, uh, two or three years into his sentence, he's not even really the same guy that did that crime. He's mentally growing. You know what I mean? He's been away from society for three whole years, three summers, three winters, three seasons. So it's he's growing. Five years into that, He's done found religion, he even looks different. His physical body has changed, his mind has definitely expanded. And about six or seven years, he's absolutely for sure not the person who did that crime. He's trustworthy, he's probably even got a job sweeping the warden's office out. And but the problem is, guess what? So what? You still gotta stay there, buddy. And and at that point, this is the stuff we need to take a look at. Delaware did away with the parole system. That We got to get that kind of stuff back. Don't keep me in there for 10 years after I already changed for real. Because now it could backfire again. Now I'm still in here. I've changed. And you still got me going to dinner with serial killers. Yeah, we talk about a lot. Of, uh, and, uh, and you... You talk about it in the supplement here, and I wonder what your feeling is on it because we make it extremely difficult for people even to come out of that situation, which is is a traumatic, stressful environment, community, and make it extremely difficult for them to um, find housing sometimes, uh, to find a job sometimes, to, like, live their lives, Mm -hmm. like... I, I find it fascinating, and again, it's it's very telling that they do this because even even when you you get through it all, uh, you know, through an, uh, which is really what you describe, what you describe in in such a straightforward way is an is an is a sort of a nightmare scenario. Like no one wants to live like that, and so once you survive, and you use that word survival, once you survive that nightmare scenario, um. The resources and the opportunities and the path that we that we society that the state or or whoever puts 
uh, you on when you come out is like the most difficult path there is. It makes no sense at all. Yeah, the transition uh, to reacclimate back to the community, it, it, it's a rough one. And uh, they, I do my own reentry programs, too. Uh, certain friends of mine come home from doing 10, 20, 30 years, and I, I kind of track them and make sure and see what's going on with them. Um, they're kind of getting a little uh, – there's one place I'll give a shout-out. I like to salute the Hope Commission. Outside of that, I really don't got no rap for nobody else. <coughs> um, but you're right. Housing is always an issue. And some people could come home to housing, but what if they come home to toxic housing? That's a whole nother doozy. You know what I mean? You come home, and this one's alcoholic. That one's still doing drugs. This one's selling drugs. But this is where you live. It's not like you come home to real estate. You're going back home to where you came from. And that's another issue altogether as well. Just because you changed, society didn't change. You're going right back to your neighborhood. So, yeah, they're, they're, uh, if I could just pull my little genie wand out, uh, I would love to see more job training programs to give people an opportunity to have a trade that they can live the American dream, not just in, and don't have to just be in Delaware. If I turn you into a carpenter, you can go be a carpenter in Guam. You can move to North Carolina. You know, sometimes it's people, places, and things. You know, but if you're just, we just hook you up at Amazon, you're just a worker. You're of no value. You're on the unemployment line as soon as they shut down. But if you're a plumber, you can go become a plumber in Jerusalem. So, you know what I mean? We need to give guys trades. There needs to be more trade programs and get things. And, 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 and that will make somebody coming home feel great about themselves. Because not only are we turning you into an entrepreneur, but you're going to make enough money to feed your family. Now you don't even have to think about crime. You're already grown now. You grew whatever, and but now you need grown man money. Don't have me as a full-grown reformed person and come home to minimum wage or come home to a lecture of, well, this is just a stepping stone. So if you blah, 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 and then don't come to my job and you're my PO and don't, you know, it's a lot of stuff. And I'm not going to say all POs are bad because I've seen some POs work with people, you know, in a good way. But if, if there's no resources, what are you really working with me with? Right. You know, so, you know what I mean? So, yeah, we got to up. And, and something like you said before we even started recording, Delaware has so much money. They're putting it in all these funny places. If if they really want to get Delaware where it should be, stick some money there. Stick some money into reentry. Stick some money into program. Stick some money into trade programs, mandatory trade programs. How about that? Yeah. I, I mean, again, you asked me just when we started, like, what is socialism to me and if and one of the things is that if everybody got to decide together everybody not like working people poor people disenfranchised people if people who are like if, if you're locked up you're still a human being you're still a citizen why don't sure. you get a say so if everybody had a say and we distributed resources where schools were good re, re, you know we we were able to bring people out of incarceration in in a, in a nice way like, but there's no appetite. You know, capitalism doesn't have an appetite for that. For sure. For capitalism, what it is is we're going to do the least that we can. You know, we'll do the least we can possibly do um, for the people who we deem. That's what means testing. When people hear means testing, is the people who deserve it, right? So we're going to figure out who deserves it. Anytime you do that, when I hear that, I know that it's wrong. That's how, but 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 that's the that's the mindset that I'm trying to break. Sure. Is 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 to figure out a way so that everybody gets uh, an adequate amount of support because we generate so much abundance and wealth. Okay. And it's and 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 the things that you're talking about, I think, need go it, people. They're designed so people can ignore them almost. Yeah. And when you talk about Sweep like, it under the rug. yeah, and when you talk about like, um, like, like saying, okay, this group of human beings can just be stuck in this, in this wild environment that we made. It's not even really, it's not, it's not civilized. It's not, it's a set of conditions that nobody would want to have to deal with for why, for, you know, for, for, for why. And so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the book. I have to tell you. I, it was it was it was interesting because I, I as I'm reading it I I didn't it, it it took a while for me to like understand the the way that you did it and I did then it was good dissected it I say you did that <laughs> yeah uh, and I appreciate it. 
Let me ask you this. Let, we'll close it out like this because of the way you, you sort of close out the, the, the rules. Okay. When you come out of this, and, it, and it's sort of like this recognition that the way you had to survive and what you just had to do as a human being was not, it's actually not right. Um, and this is where it gave me like the war idea, the combat idea. Sure. Because when you come back, try not to talk about like the different, like, that like that scenario, like what money was and how you had to survive and what you had to do, like because that's not that's only going to pollute like your regular relationships because you had to you had to do this. Sure. But I wonder whether, um, I wonder whether that's healthy for the person who had to do it. Like, do you feel? And you mentioned you mentioned earlier about this development of a ministry. It became like I I want to do something constructive. I'd like to make money with the thing I can do. I have this experience, but then it sort of developed into a, a concept, and then it developed into a ministry, and then it developed into something you can like teach people, or that it's a, it's an important part of uh, instruction for people who are going to go into the criminal justice system. All of this different kind of stuff. Um, but but do you think that? I mean, there must be. I, I just find it very difficult that people go through that and then understand that it was so, it was so toxic and and so, and so bad that they can't. They they almost have to bottle it up. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I, I know exactly what you mean. Well, for starters, um, every single person that comes out of jail, whether they even know it or not, has PTSD. It's a like you said, it's a war. It's no way not to have it. Now, some have it more than others, uh, just like a war. You know, some people come back and they can adapt well to civilian life. And then some people come back and got the nightmares and, you know, shell shot and all the stuff. In the re-entry to, uh, to society from being a prisoner or offender or whatever they call it now, these new words, I call it what it is. Um, the word they use is institutionalized. And some people are more institutionalized than others. Some people come out from doing a long sentence or whatever. And like I say, from a Flintstone, they come out to a Jetson world and just and and just keep it real with themselves and say, you know what? I can't even do it out here. They'd rather go back in. Some people come out and, and want to try to do it out here, but things have changed so much. It's just so hard for them to adapt. They get discouraged and they just... Don't never make it, so they come out and become like a bum or maybe a little bit higher, a little bit lower. And then some people can reacclimate well, but as far as people sharing their experiences, it's more like Las Vegas. You know, what's done there stays there. Let me move on with my life. You know, whatever. The inevitable will show. You see my physique change. You know I did a thousand push-ups. I've upgraded my vocabulary. You see I read a few books. I'm a little more paying attention to the little stuff around the house now because I miss my wife so bad. Now I'm washing the dishes. She don't have to ask me to help. I'm cleaning the garage now. You know, initiative. But, you know, other than that, man, yeah, what's done there stays there. It's Las Vegas. You, you keep it behind you. Like I say, the rearview mirror is small for a reason. It's back there. We're looking out the windshield at the big picture. It's too much trauma in the memories. Look to the imagination. Look to the future and, and just keep on pushing. Look to the imagination. Look to the future and keep on pushing. That's it. There there's, no, there's nothing else to say, folks. Timeless Thomas Swan, a.k.a. Big DZ. Thank you, man. Thank you to Rob and H.B. HBP. You know what HBP is? It's a Highlands Bunker podcast. You know what it is? It's cool. You yeah, know yeah. you know how it goes? You know how it goes. That's right. You know what we say here, too? Uh, our little tagline is left is best. Everywhere left is best. I like that. I like that. It yeah. is cool. That's the other side of the pillow. That's right. There you go. Cheers, folks. Cheers.